This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with Friday Night Frights. Hosted at the historic Blue Mouse Theater in the beautiful Proctor District, Friday Night Frights is Tacoma's one and only go-to horror film series. This beloved long-standing monthly tradition for horror fanatics is thrilled to present 1980s Maniac in the month of September. A traumatic childhood leads to a deranged mama's boy on a gruesome killing spree on the streets of New York City. Friday Night Frights is committed to providing their signature visceral theater-going experience in a safe and engaging fashion. Tickets are available exclusively at the Blue Mouse Theater box office the night of the screening, so be sure to arrive early to secure your place in line and don't miss the pre-show trivia, along with your chance to purchase an exclusive movie poster from a local artist. The folks at Blue Mouse Theater and Friday Night Frights are delighted to welcome you, so get your friends together and get ready to scream. The Blue Mouse Theater is located at 2611 North Proctor Street in Tacoma, Washington. You can find Friday Night Frights online at www.facebook.com slash Friday Night Frights Tacoma and on Instagram at Friday underscore night underscore frights for more information. Okay, how's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosberg. And I am Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding anniversaries and first-time viewings. Ahead on, this, ahead on this very special episode, not only will we be celebrating one year of podcasting together, but also returning to one of our favorite ETI experiments, the movie swap, to talk about three films that we screened for each other just the other day. The cameras are on once again for this rendition of Excuse the Intermission, which, which gets underway right after this quick break. Have you ever experienced anything difficult and not felt like you had an outlet? Well, welcome to Facilitating Voices, an outlet podcast where we discuss difficult, complex topics surrounding mental health issues, social justice, and interview people with real and raw experiences and exposures to trauma. Tune in to learn, grow, and realize that you are not alone. New episodes are released weekly on the Chatter Network. All right, we're back and we're trying to keep it together. Um, the three of us are in great moods today as we begin this recording in celebration of one year of podcasting together. Way to go, guys. Where has the time gone? I, I feel like this is just like the insert, the Paul Rudd, like, look at us. Look at us. Who <laughs> Absolutely. Who would have thought? Uh, it seems like just yesterday when we were meeting and discussing kind of what a movie podcast would look like hosted by the three of us. And then we found ourselves in that same location just the other night. Like, so this this whole week has really been um, kind of fortuitous in, in that way of, of coming full circle, I feel like, within one year. A little deja vu. 
Um, we're more comfortable on the mics than ever. I would say we we have a revamped studio. If you if you could see what this place looked like a year ago, it was not like this. Um, and and a couple of really fun partnerships under our belt. Um, it's been a wild year, so I thought that we could probably just start this episode by doing a little reflecting and talking about our favorite ETI experiences in the past fifty two weeks and what this journey's meant to us. Grant, how about you go first? I mean, it's pretty incredible what this show has done because what started as just a thing for us to pass the time during lockdown uh, is now like relit my love of film. I've watched more movies this past year than I have in the last five combined, and I am not slowing down. That that's a that's a trending up number. Um, so I just am stoked about it for that. And then like the listeners, it's crazy like the following that we like have, and it's amazing because we do it for you guys. We do it for you. And it's just great. The feedback we get, it makes it feel good and it encourages us. And I don't know. It's just, it's just been an awesome, awesome ride. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, this part of the week, every week has become like a happy, sp- or my happy place. Uh, you know, life, uh, has been, uh, questionable the last, uh, two years, I would say. Right. I mean, it was a tough, tough year with this whole pandemic situation. And, um, I'm just, I'm so glad that we got this up, up and going. Cause I, I've tried to do podcasts before, uh, you know, multiple times. Um, but without this, I mean, chatter network doesn't really come together ever. Uh, and so it's just, I thank you both for, you know, uh, when, when I came to you guys and was like, yeah, we should just do it. And both of you have like, totally committed and it's just been an awesome awesome ride um and you guys you know you you drag me along and i appreciate it well i think it was kind of (laughs) cool that it was like at least when you guys approached me and i'm sure it was when max approached you alex that it was like no hesitation oh absolutely it was just like yeah Yeah. sign me up i'm pulling the trigger right away yeah let's do it um i think you touched on something really cool there where something i had written down was i think that like we kind of helped shepherd in what the chatter network could be. I, you know, once we started really getting this going, then some of our other friends approached you or you approached them and said, Hey, you know, it, we like having you on as a guest, maybe, or, or we know you have an idea of your own. So let's take this model that ETI has kind of built and, and transfer that into whatever your idea is, whatever your passion is. So that's really cool. Um, I, I, the Friday night frights and the weird elephant stuff is very exciting to me. I think I, I it was like an emotional text that I sent you guys one morning right, or once we had already like been with them, the guys at the grand and the guys at the blue mouse for a couple of weeks, I was just like, this is so, it was like a, just a moment of reflection. This is so special because I've been going to those movies and those screenings for years and years and years. And to just be a little slice of that pie, mm-hmm. it's just like, it just means a lot. Um, the first YouTube show when we did this, I think was pretty fun. I, we a got lot a lot of good um, reactions from that. People had kind of been waiting for that, I feel like. So mm-hmm. once again, props to you, Grant, hey. for editing that and for editing this one that we're filming today. Um, all those little things. And, and then also to like what you said, Grant, just like, reinvigorating my love for movies. I was listening to an old episode of ours uh, a couple weeks ago, our 2000s movie um, horror film episode that we did oh, yeah. back last October. And we made the comment about how like we will probably never see more films in that decade uh, than, than we will ever again. And now I'm starting to think like because of this podcast, maybe not in the theater, but the amount of movies yeah. that I'm going to watch here on out because of ETI is going to grow and grow and grow like you were saying. Um, so I think that's all really cool. Um, okay, so now 
we've teased over the past couple of summer months that we've been working on some very exciting things here behind the scenes. And so what better time, basically, to roll out to roll out those things? Um, here on ETI, not only do we want to continue to improve the quality of each episode for you, the listener, but we also want to connect as much as possible with our listener base. So we've come up with a few ways in which we think that you will all find a pretty cool way to do that. So Grant, how about you introduce our first announcement, seeing as you were the one to kind of bring this opportunity to maximize attention? Yeah, this is this is kind of cool as as. Alex was just talking about, you know, Friday Night Frights and the Weird Elephant. We, excuse the intermission, are going to kind of have our own movie event. Uh, we are teaming up with Incline Cider House here in Tacoma, Washington, uh, to host movie nights twice a month, uh, starting in October. And uh, it's going to be a really fun thing that they, uh, one of their uh, guys, Justin, shout out my man, uh, approached me. And he immediately thought of us to host this thing, and we wanted to jump at the opportunity. So it's going to be a fun little partnership, um, kind of turning a, a cidery into a movie theater for an evening. So uh, be on the lookout for more information for that, dates and announcements and all that stuff. Um, and we'll we're, we'll see you there. We'll, we'll, instead of see you at the theaters, we'll see you at the Cider House. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that this is so cool. I mean, to, to come up with our own trivia, like if you've yeah. been to one of the Friday Night Frights screenings with us or, or one of the Weird Elephant screenings, we're always trying to participate in the trivia questions that they come up with. So to be able to make our own is going to be so much fun. To come up with little prize packs to give um, to those who are in attendance that night, selecting films, all of this. This is just like right up our alley, I feel like. And then it'll just be cool to talk with you guys about movies face to face instead of just, you know, listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, give give uh, Incline Cider a follow. They're at Incline Cider House on Instagram. Check them out. They're downtown Tacoma off South C Street. Um Grant's going to have to mix it up and drink movies and watch cider here a little bit. Dude, I am not a cider drinker, but they have some that I, I'm fine with that. They, they have some good, good stuff. So if you've never had them, they got a bunch of stuff in cans. So go down, go down, go downtown, check out the tap room or take some home. It's, it's yeah, fantastic. For sure. Um, and now the next announcement that we have will be made by Max. And this was an idea that we've kind of been circling for a while now. All things considered, though, I believe that this is the perfect time to take our listener interaction to the next level. So, Max, what do you have for those out there who may want more ETI in their lives? Yeah, we're going to uh, officially uh, release and launch our Patreon channel uh, on September 1st, which I believe will be the following Wednesday when this episode comes out. Um, we're going to have two tiers. Uh the first tier is $3 per month, and that makes you an uh, associate producer. Ooh. Uh, with that tier, you get uh, a newsletter from us uh, where we're going to you know, kind of talk about like what we're watching on the side or maybe have a watch list for you guys uh, for upcoming episodes. Uh, and then also, when you do join uh, on that following episode, you'll get a shout out uh, on the episode. And then our second tier is going to be $8 a month, and that makes you an executive producer. You get... Feed picks from Max. <laughs> <laughs> no. You get, both, you get uh, both the things in the associate producer, uh, the newsletter, and the shout out. But then you also get early access to episodes. So episodes will be coming out a day earlier for you. Uh, you'll get uh, a bonus episode. I think is it just one bonus. A yeah, month? we'll start with one a month. I one think. a month. We'll start with probably commentaries or, um, you know, or fun, you know, off the wall brackets or something like that. 
and then we also are going to host a monthly like AMA or, or town hall where we can uh, sit and talk to the listeners, which is pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we're doing things that are going to get us in contact with our, with our listeners. Absolutely. That's, that's very, very fun. That's exciting. Yeah, I think, I think that those two things kind of go hand in hand. Like the town hall meetings, we can do those over Zoom with people. Um, and, and that really plays into kind of this unknown future that we still all, all are living in. And then as, you know, regulations allow, we have the incline deal where we can meet some of you guys in person. Come, yeah. come down, watch a movie with us, really hang out. I know that when we first started this podcast, we wanted to rent out one of the theaters at the galaxy mm. and unfortunately just weren't able to do that. Um, and so this is a nice little substitute. I feel like for that and just takes it to the next level, which is really exciting. Um, And now lastly, and this is more of kind of a big picture announcement for us here at the Chatter Network, but we are thrilled in the month of September to be welcoming two new shows to the network of podcasts here. The first of which being Revisionary Podcast, hosted by Juan Carlos. Max, you know Juan Carlos a little bit. I do. Uh, Juan Carlos is a stand-up comedian who invites guests onto his show to tell a nonfiction story from their past in which they wish had gone differently. Could be an old argument that they had and replayed over and over in their head, and they wish they'd come up with a witty response, possibly a story of when they were not their best self and wish that they could take that back on what they said or did. And then after telling the story, they have an opportunity to retell the same story, but this time they can change any fact or detail from that tale. Lastly, they discuss the impacts of their changes. I cannot express how excited I am and that we all are to have this show join the network. The podcast is brutally honest, funny, and self-reflective. And you can find Revisionary Podcasts on Apple and Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. So be sure to to subscribe to them and get caught up on all of Juan Carlos's past episodes before he joins the network. Really, really funny guy, too. Local uh, stand-up comedian here in Tacoma from New York. Just a a stand-up guy. Yeah, look at that. (laughs) Max will not be joining him on stage anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, The second show that we will be welcoming to the Chatter Network family in the month of September is the Always Moving Podcast with with Lyndon Savantu. On this podcast, host Lyndon shares his experiences and stories in life, as well as sits down with guests to learn about their lives, careers, and what has moved them to get to that stage. Lyndon has a passion for traveling and sports and incorporates that into all of his episodes as well. Stay tuned each week as Lyndon closes the show with a badass of the week, highlighting one individual's exceptional achievements in life. Lyndon's show is based out of Florida, so not only are we welcoming another podcaster to the network, but it's our very first out-of-state production, which is very exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, We look forward here on ETI to any potential collaborations between us and either of those two new shows. And then, of course, Grant announced last week that the Critical Cut, the first Chatter Network spinoff show, is coming. We're Uh, creating our own Chatter Network universe. That's right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm sure you're really – I know you're working hard on that behind the scenes. Very exciting. Um, And then for all you football fans out there – the one show that really did start it all here on the network, Hey Football Head, under a new branding, uh, makes its return in September as the NFL season kicks back off. Max and I co-host that show with our pal Tim Dowling of Average Citizen, so be sure to subscribe to that podcast for all things NFL and fantasy football related. You excited to get that show back underway, Max? Yeah, man. What What is this, the third year we've done At that show? At least. I'm thinking fourth, possibly. Yeah, th- third or fourth year. Uh, it's a well-oiled machine. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited to have it in, you know, officially in the Chatter Network family. 
Um, yeah, because this was something we used to just send out to kind of the homies yeah, that were in the league. league. Yeah. We didn't really expect anybody else to listen yeah. on a public, casual, you know, weekly basis. But but we're going to tweak some things now, try to make it more broad and all expanding. I can't uh, wait to be a football expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Add um, NFL analyst yeah. to your resume. Why not? Um, but no, I think that with you and I, you know, having done this show now for a year, Tim, obviously, well-versed behind the mic on Average Citizen. I think that the three of us will come into this new new season of Hey Football Head with some energy that, that just hasn't been there in the past. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so that'll do it for our big announcements. To stay up to date on all the next phases with all of those happenings, be sure to follow, of course, our Instagram page here at ETI and the Chatter Network Instagram page. We can't wait to see what's on tap this fall. And of course, one of the staples every fall season around here is checking out a movie at the Grand Cinema. So let's hear from our friends over there real quick, and then we will get into the meat of this episode. This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie-going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. Face masks are once again required while visiting the cinema. Seating inside the auditoriums is currently limited to allow for social distancing, so popular showtimes may fill up quicker than usual. Purchasing your tickets online is highly recommended. The staff and volunteers are thrilled to welcome you back to the movies, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema for a full list of their showtimes and COVID-19 guidelines. Okay, we're back. And for this special episode, we wanted to bring back a show structure that you guys all seemed to really enjoy the last time we did it. Back on episode 13, we came up with the concept for a movie swap event where each of us selected a film that the other two co-hosts had never seen, and then we held a movie marathon in which we all watched the three choices in one day. Well, that's what we've done again for this anniversary edition of ETI, which we like to, which we like to call You Never Forget Your First Time. And personally for me, going back in our like reflections highlights there at the beginning of this episode, mm -hmm. that was a big one too. The first time we did this, I oh, thought that yeah. was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Such um, a fun day. Such a fun day. So this past Sunday, starting at 8 a.m., the three of us convened over at Max's house this time and all brought our selections with us. Uh, so what we will do now is go through the three films in which we watched that day. The host who selected the movie will introduce the film, speak a little bit about why that lucky film was chosen. And then we will hear the reactions from the other two guys. Sound good? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to change your movie? Stop the recording. I do, yeah, stop the recording. I'm going to show you guys Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> You've no, you haven't really seen the Justice's Gray version, so, you know. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> got it in. I go. got it in. Uh, so I began the morning by showing Grant and Max the French action thriller from 2017, Revenge. Now, this is a film that I feel like I talk about somewhat regularly on the podcast, or at least it feels that way because, yes, we have the poster here in studio um, hanging with us. But it's one that I know I mentioned back on our 2010s Horror Hall of Fame list. But just briefly, since it's not exactly like, and this is great, we're on camera, a scary movie <laughs> per se. Um, and then, of course, I recently brought it up on our physical media episode mm -hmm. where I busted out the the Blu-ray, my second sight one that I just love. I, I love this copy. Um, 
So I think that's kind of when you both like showed a little extra, you know, like spark where I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I think this will be the one I've, I've made up my mind now that, that it would be the one that I'm going to show you guys. Um, not only do I love international cinema and I know you guys aren't the least bit scared of subtitles in a film. Uh, but, but I've watched this movie with a few people before and the reactions I got were pretty phenomenal. So not only was I excited for that, um, but, but then, yeah, I just thought that it was important for you guys to kind of like get on board with why this is part of our decor down here in the <laughs> studio. Um, so, so let's hear it. I've, I've been painstakingly. This was the tough thing about not doing a recording right after the marathon mm. was having to wait to get some of these reactions. Uh, so, so let's hear it. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> nice. Uh, like it, I, I, I think it's, it, it starts out and it's got a little Quentin Tarantino flavor to it. There's moments where uh, I was being reminded of like a Michael Mann movie, like where they're chasing her through the dark, following the blood. Um, and it's just, it is a fucking thrill ride. It is one of the goriest movies I've ever seen, but like just, all practical effects got a champion it uh there were multiple times where i had to turn away from the fucking s- screen uh there is one scene i i still haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> with the glass and the foot um uh spoilers but uh yeah uh, i really really enjoyed this movie and i wouldn't even call it a foreign film like they speak a lot of english in yeah it. it's like 50 50 um, french and english yeah and uh, it, it's beautifully shot. Uh, the music is fucking awesome. It's like this crazy, like neo techno stuff going on. Um, and the the bad guys are great. She's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I I really really enjoy this movie. And I'm actually I'm I'm, I'm looking for it now. Great, 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 great. Grant, I knew just because of our whole horror discussion that we had last October mm-hmm. that like the rape revenge subgenre. Isn't something that you're always going to like be into. And yeah. so not only did I like kind of, you know, struggle with that in my mind, but but I did it in a way I showed it to you basically because I was like, I want him to know that like this isn't something like I mean, it's from that lineage of Last House on the Left and I spit on your grave and things like that. But but I feel like it it's it's directed by a female which mm-hmm. is which is awesome and so there's that real like sense of feminism throughout it, and it's not like too much ex- exploitation based uh the the rape scene actually you know obviously a despicable act but it's shot in a way to where you don't really see anything it's, it's off screen it's off screen yeah um so so we like that about it at least but but your thoughts we'll be back after a quick break did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to watch those scenes in movies. Ever. Ever, yeah, ever. ever. Um, I, I think, and I've said this before, um, that, you know, I understand why it is in, in movies. You know, not talking, not showing or not talking about something doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So I, I, I totally get why it's used as it is in film. I'm just 
never comfortable. <laughs> Not saying I'm the only one, but yeah, like I'm just never comfortable. But um, it's always good in those movies when the people who did it get their comeuppance and die in excruciating ways. So, you know, there's kind of like a little full circle turnaround. But uh, like Max, I I loved this movie. It was it was awesome. a, it was a great great watch. Um, Max hit the Tarantino side of it. I got a lot of Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, a lot of that kind of, and they, they have a very similar style. They're friends. Um, and I think this movie could just be like a double feature with any of their films. Um, the practical effects, the body horror, the gore, it was just, it's, it's an insane throw. The, the over the topness of it without being too over the top, like it just hit like a nice threshold. I think that might be my favorite thing about it where like it, it, requires you to suspend a little bit of movie right. magic disbelief mm-hmm. and once you're once you're comfortable with that and the film just does a really good job of letting you get comfortable with that where you're kind of like okay some of this stuff would never happen but this is still a movie and it's still grounded in reality it's not like some one of these characters develops a superpower all of a sudden yeah so, well, so yes, I, mean, I, like, I like that you appreciated and found that balance yeah and it's the uh, like the the symbolism of it all, like the phoenix being on the beer can, and then you know she brands herself with that, which of course is not how that works, but it's such a cool movie trope, and it makes her just look like this badass fucking female just warrior. And I'm telling you, Jen, that's the character's name mm-hmm. here, would be such a cool Halloween costume for someone <laughs> oh, to try to absolutely. pull off. Absolutely, the pink star earrings, the star the, earrings, yeah, yeah, the the brand, yeah, and that rifle, that shotgun so with badass. the slug bullets, man, mm-hmm. that was cool jen is is up there with with ripley and Sarah oh absolutely Connor as like one of the most badass movie characters i want her female on, movie character. i want her on my suicide squad she'd be she'd clean house yeah um there it, i will i will say the one thing after sitting on this movie for a few days and, and stirring over it i think the downside of a movie like this for me is watching this movie again will never be as good as watching yeah. it for the first time yeah you, the the cool thing about it is when you watch it for the first time, there's so many parts where like the tension builds up and you have no idea what's going to happen next. Like when she turns around and sees the friends for the first time, you're like, where's this going? Who are these guys? Yeah, Why yeah. do they have these guns strapped to them? Like they look, they don't look like guys that would be friend with Richard, you know, like, <laughs> it, it's, you know, so then now after seeing the movie, you know, it's going to happen. It kind of removes a little of that flair. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be entertaining, it's just for me. I'm kind of like, hey, you never forget your first time. Well, this may be a one night stand for me, but it, but it's still a great, great film. And you know, just to not so much even counter that, but but I think what made me so excited to show you guys this film was when you do that and you show it to somebody for the first time. Then it it brings back those feelings for you, where like I'm watching you guys squirm during different parts, and I'm like, this was me like five screenings ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like vicariously going back and and having that same experience there with you guys. Uh, the cinematography, got to shout that out. I knew that was literally like the number one thing for me was showing this film to you guys. I'm just like, I don't think that there's a shot in this movie that wasn't done with a little bit of flair, a little bit of style to it. And, you know, after we're trying to be quiet while we're watching these movies and then every now and then I'm actually be like, that's a badass shot. And like <laughs> yeah. kind of couldn't hold it in. And yeah. I'm like, good. I think they're experiencing this the way in which I really want them to. Yeah. Um. So this film, it's uh, available on Shudder right now. That's a Shutter original, right? It's, so it came out, uh, premiered at TIFF, Toronto Film Festival, back in 2017, and then um, kind of, you know, bounced around to a bunch of different festivals, things like that, and then Neon picked it up to distribute it through Shutter, I believe in like 2018. 
um, for U.S. audiences, mm. at least. And it's just lived on there ever since because, yeah, they, they sold them the rights for American distribution. does have really cool Blu-ray uh, release, obviously. But, but yeah, if you want to check this film out, Shudder, do the free day trial, pay the six bucks a month, whatever. Shudder's a great, great streaming service. And this is one of their brighter spots, I believe. Yeah, it's worth it. And it, it is a great film to show people for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's really like once I find a physical copy of it, it's going to be just like you were saying. It's going to be really fun to show people who've never seen it. I, not to give you guys crap, but I bet your two horror movie buffs that you watch, <laughs> that, that, that you do I've another podcast with, have never seen it and would love it. Yeah. Like, I would love to yeah. hear what Kristen and Derek's response is uh, to this film. Okay. So then next on our schedule for the day was Max's selection. His film certainly drew the most buzz as we were talking to our friends kind of pre marathon about <laughs> this and, and the absurdity that Grant and I, Grant and I had never seen this movie. Uh, so, Max, I'm so embarrassed right now. But I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm ready for the comment section. Same. Just <laughs> same. Get lit on fire. Just go ahead and this. blow everyone's mind and talk about what film you showed These us. These two <laughs> cinephiles had never seen Shawshank Redemption, which is, I mean, listen, everyone's got, you know, holes in their filmography uh, of important movies. But this is like, for me, one of one of the best '90s movies of all time. One of the best Stephen King movies of all time. Like a, a movie based on Stephen King's uh, work. Uh, Frank Darabont is, is is the director who also then goes on to do The Green Mile. The first time I ever watched this, my my older cousin uh, sat me down and we did a double feature of this and then The Green Mile, which is a wild ride and a very long day. Um, but yeah, I just uh, really, really love this movie. Shout out to Cousin Chris, because uh, uh, I know it's one of his absolute favorite movies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm dying to know, because uh, of course, this is on so many lists as like a top, you know, 100, sometimes at the, at the number one spot. Uh, and it'll be interesting to know how you guys think it was in 2021. I mean, like, if you would have seen this as a teenager or younger, in 1994. it might have hit a little different. So that's the big thing for me. And Grant, I'll let you go here. I just want to preface this. And I think you are, were the same way. And so I think that this is like an important disclaimer for this for this uh, conversation. But this was like an active hole in my filmography mm-hmm. where I didn't want it filled until <laughs> something like this came along yeah. or until I just and and literally I knew nothing about this movie. I told these guys the only thing I knew was that Morgan Freeman's character's name was Red. That's the only thing. No spoilers, anything. I was just been able to avoid this movie for however long it it's needed to be avoided. My mom got me a copy of this for Christmas like eight <laughs> years ago, and the DVDs just sat on my shelf forever. I've just been waiting for like that one night where it's kind of like, I guess it's time to watch the Shawshank. And and so it wasn't that I like I don't know how have I just have never seen it. I guess I've yeah. actively been avoiding it because I feel like from the ages of like 14 to 18, I I watched every movie you're supposed to watch, you know, and, and for some for some reason, Shawshank was always one that I just wanted to sit and wait on. So it was really cool being able to watch it for an event like this. I don't know exactly if that's exactly like how you um, went about avoiding it this long or, or if you maybe were a bit more spiteful in your avoidance. Oh, I was but, very spiteful. Yeah. In my avoidance. <laughs> No, uh, I mean, this movie is co- widely regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. 
Um, I honestly, I think me putting this movie off is because on like AFI's top 100, on the IMDb 250, on a bunch of just review sites, this always beats The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. And I was just like, screw that movie. I'm not watching that. It's not better than The God. You think you're better than The Godfather? Get out of here. Um, so, and then also part of it is, um, it got spoiled for me because oh, be, you be, knew. I, I okay. knew, I knew about the tunnel. I knew about, you know, like, like you know, the whole, I, I've seen the final scene of red, you know, walking up on the beach. I didn't know how he got out, but I assumed he eventually got his parole, blah, 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 blah. We can be pretty spoiler free or spoiler. Like we don't have to pay attention. Everyone's seen the Shawshank yeah. thing except yeah. for you and yeah. I. Yeah. So yeah. We, yeah. we can talk about this. Yeah. Um, but even with all that. It's a fantastic film. I am now bummed that I put it off for so long because I, I really enjoyed it. I think I said it um, very early on in while we were watching it where I was like, they don't make movies like this anymore. Had a very big, like, grand Spielberg vibe to it. And um, I think that that, like, three that three year window of when this came out, I think, was just very similar in just how movies were made and what they were about. And it was, it was just, it's a, a a prison movie that's a feel-good movie. Like, that's that's crazy. And Frank Darabont does a great job directing it. Um, it's Deacons behind the camera. If, mm-hmm. Of course. So there's just some gorgeous, gorgeous shots. Uh, Clancy Brown, really young, who's, you know, still still making moves. Um, I'm not a big uh, Robbins fan. Yeah, I, you know, other than this, I, I, I don't... Yeah, Tim yeah. Robbins doesn't really do it. He doesn't. He doesn't grab me. I think like there's a bunch of other better actors, but but he doesn't do a bad job in this. You know, he does a great. You know, it would have been interesting if it was Tom Hanks. Like, oh, absolutely. Like Frank goes with uh with the Green Mile. Then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I really like the movie. I I enjoyed it. Um. Just to talk about Tim Robbins a little bit, I think that, and I've always really liked him because of Jacob's Ladder, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and then Mystic River was kind of one of those first films that I saw when I was like graduating from just being a movie fan to a cinephile. So Tim Robbins has always kind of held a special place in my heart. And then based off of, you know, the performances in Mystic River, I went back in one of the first movies that, um, I remember showing my mom being like, have you ever seen this? And she's like, no, how did you find out about this movie? But it's called Dead Man Walking. Mm-hmm. And it's a 1995 film that Tim Robbins directs. With Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn. I was just about to ask if that's the Sean Penn. Yeah, where he's on death row and he's trying to convince Susan Sarandon that he didn't do it and stuff. A pretty freaking good movie. And that comes one year after The Shawshank. And so I just think that that, like, this movie did something to a lot, a lot of people. Where, like, it really stayed with them. Tim Robbins obviously wasn't ready to let, like, the prison story go Mm -hmm, and and wanted mm -hmm. to continue to tell something like that. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, I really like what you guys said about just like the grand feel of this movie where some of the, you know, early comments that we were making were like, you know, that Deacons is up on a 30 foot crane right now and they're swooping over this prison yard and those are all real extras. And, and the way that Deacons and, and Darabon construct the church or the, excuse me, the prison feels almost like a church. Mm-hmm. It's very cathedral esque. And I was thinking that before we even meet the warden who is a hardcore Bible beaten Christian man. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I did like a lot of that stuff. The thing about seeing this movie in 2001, though, is that and not knowing 2021, 2021, excuse me, yeah. 2021. Yes. Three days ago on Sunday. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about it is I've just seen so many movies now to where and I was talking to Haley about this, but I was like, I don't really know. I wish I could go back to 1994 
and and maybe you can attest to this a little bit, Max, either you or Chris's experience even. But like at the end, is it supposed to be is this supposed to be like the crying game or or the usual suspects where it's like a big twist at the ending? Or is it something that you're supposed to see coming? Because Haley's is like, no, you're supposed to see this this prison break coming. But also, I do feel like the ending of the Shawshank is something that like for you, Grant, can be spoiled where like and then it loses some of the effects. But even while we were watching it, I think I was kind of being like he's I'm thinking in my head he's clearly digging a hole behind all these posters that he's hanging up the pickaxe he's he's not getting the pickaxe to like carve his little chess pieces with like so I I don't know is that something that like was that a big like crazy moment for people in the theaters or when this had its home video run I I think it must have been and and that's part of the prestige of it but it, that's kind of what I was thinking um also you know I I when's the when's the last time Hollywood made a prison break movie Gosh, a long time, probably. Especially on that scale. Escape plan. Stallone and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think, especially in the 90s, this this was like a huge... Because, you, you, I mean, you can go back all the way back to um, Papillon or, uh, you know, Escape from Alcatraz mm-hmm. is somewhere mm-hmm. in the 90s there. Uh, and, and so the escape, the whole escape from prison, I remember the first time I watched it, I didn't know that was going to happen. I, mm, I had... Okay. I, I, and... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it kind of went over me. I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it ends like five times. Like Morgan Freeman should just walk up onto the oak tr- or walk up, see the oak tree, and it should cut black. Mm. Like we don't need to know that he goes all the way down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like leave it. Uh, of course he's going to go. Um, and of course what under the oak tree it's going to be, you know, of course it's tickets and money and, or whatever. Um but and watching it this time, which I haven't watched rewatched it probably in a couple of years, um, I, that was really bugging me. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, end it, end it. Like that—that's your end shot right there. Morgan Freeman coming out of the out of the woods and the clearing, the nice the the wall and the oak tree, and you could just cut to black. Or you open you never, <laughs> or something like you open the tin. He at least finds the volcanic yeah, rock yeah. that Tim Robbins told him he would find. You open the tin, and then you do like uh, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, and we'll right. talk about Pulp Fiction here in a minute. You never show what's inside of it; and yeah. it's just left up to kind of the audience's imagination as to what what happens. Then going back to what you were saying, I th- I think now it's easier to pick up that he's doing digging the tunnel mm. because the movie's been out for so long it's, and he's it's, creating it's this so false identity and i'm just like of course you're gonna assume this false identity once you break right. out like it, the fingerprints I, are all over the movie of where it's going I, I well think, and you knew about this shot right i didn't know about that so i guess yeah. i didn't know he at least gets out but at yeah. the same time I, not really though because i didn't know if that's in the prison yard and it's yeah. a crazy scene True. where it's just pouring down rain i, I really didn't know yeah. I th- i think it's easy to miss though I think you mm-hmm. kind of get wrapped up in these stories that right. unless you like, I, I, I won't blame anyone to be like, Oh my God, I didn't see that coming. I'd be like, yeah, like it's, you know, you, n- you never see the pickaxe after he get it, gets it for the first time. You see that he's shaping all the rocks into chess pieces and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, that's what he's doing with it. Um, but yeah, you know, the creating the new identity kind of obviously you see him getting ready to set up the warden in some way, especially when the warden refuses to hear him out on, you know, the guy admitting to killing his wife yeah. and her lover. Um, so, yeah, I, I just want to say, like, I think it's it's easy to miss, but it's also easy to see. 
And of and course, we're watching it like being hyper focused where mm-hmm. you and I are like, we've never seen this. And I'm like, I'm paying attention to every single detail. So I <laughs> if, think if it hadn't been spoiled for me, I think I probably would have picked up on mm-hmm. it. But it would have been like I would have had a much more like, oh, nice, you know, like reaction at the end rather than like, yep, I knew this was coming. He makes it down. Yeah, that's it. I do think that for for all the esteem that this film carries, um, it, it came out in just such a good movie year to where it's funny when because I went back and looked. I'm like, what did this get nominated for? Because I'm sure it had to get nominated for for a bunch of stuff. Seven nominations, zero wins. This is the Forrest Gump year. We're at the 1995 Oscars. Forrest Gump beats. Not only Pulp Fiction, which I've always had a problem with, but now it beats Shawshank in a bunch of categories. And I, it's funny, Grant, because you and I even said that this feels – you already mentioned Spielberg. I said Zemeckis when we were watching right. it. So Zemeckis is off busy making Forrest Gump, which mm-hmm. just sweeps the fucking Oscars that yeah. year, which is ridiculous. Um, the score, too, I thought was really impressive. That loses to Hans Zimmer in The Lion King. So it's just like, dude, you're just like – Darabont had just a crappy look of the draw when it came to this movie getting recognition. But I do feel like that also – has helped kind of elevate its status of like one of the best movies that didn't get recognized in the time, almost like a Citizen Kane type yeah, of deal. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's it's been left up to to us, the audience members, the movie goers, the movie lovers, the cinephiles to be like Shawshank really deserved to get best picture, to get all these other things. So the fact that it didn't, it's gonna be a top of every AFI, IMDB right. type critics list or whatever. Um I thought it was weird that Morgan Freeman was nominated for lead actor. I feel like it was a real split. Uh, with screen time with him and Robbins. I think it's all that voiceover. The voice, and that was the other thing I was going to lead into, is that normally I don't like narration. I hate it as in, well. In a movie, but when it's Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. like the I'd the, listen to my own birth yes. if Morgan Freeman was <laughs> going to talk about it. So I thought that was really good. <laughs> I, will, um, I, I will say I agree with you. He was a little monotone in this one. Especially that part at the end where he's like, and I've never been so excited in my life. And <laughs> we like, did. And, yeah, and I even and made like a joke. he's like leaning out the bus window, yeah. just like dead face, yeah. just staring <laughs> off. I think I said something like, are you, bud? Yeah. Like, <laughs> really? Um, Max, I know you love Tim Robbins, in effect, to grow facial hair, too, also. So so that's probably big. He's in the hole for like 60 days consecutive, and he barely comes out with a 5 o'clock shadow. Yeah, he's just yeah. got a couple yeah. stubbles. I need to go into isolation. <laughs> um, but no, I really liked this movie though. Um, I don't think it's deserving of being like number one on it's all not these better lists than and the Godfather. stuff. No, it's I, not. I don't it's think not. it is. It's an incredible story of I, I hope. I think like it's. I was looking at it a bit more cynical. I guess where like of institutionalization. Yeah. I think that like the main story that I walked away thinking about was not so much. And I guess that's maybe because it is a feel good ending ultimately for Tim Robbins. I mean, the guy yeah. had to go through a whole bunch of sexual assaults and you know all this stuff that happened to him in prison. Morgan Freeman's characters in jail for forty years. He finally gets out, but it is a feel good story for them ultimately in the end. The character of freaking Brooks, the librarian, played by James Whitmore. That's the story that I couldn't let go of in this theme of institutionalization Mm -hmm. to where it's like, what happens to these men, men and women who are in prison for decades and decades and decades? And this isn't something that's ended like this film's set. It spans like from the the late 40s all the way up until like the early. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 60s. Um, Late 60s because it's around like Vietnam times and stuff when they get out. Um where it's just like when when your when your life is conditioned to what you're supposed to do in in jail and in prison, you don't know how to live a normal life when you get out. 
and and the character of of Brooks is just painstakingly sad because you know that so many no one lives that life that Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins got to got to have, but so many people live that life that Brooks has. Well, it even goes to Red when he's the grocery bagger and he he's to about to do the same thing yeah. as Brooks. Yeah, yeah. He, he's asked to take a bathroom break. The guy's like, "You don't need to ask." Just go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've been asking permission to piss for the last 40 years. Yeah, yeah right. I can't break the habit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and if it weren't for him going to that oak tree and finding the the gift from Tim Robbins, he probably would have gone down the same path as Brooks. So it's just, to me, it was real sad. Brooks, that that montage of, of his letter being read and Brooks mm-hmm. going through a day in his life, that gets me every yeah. single time. Yeah. I think it's by far the most, you know, I, it's my favorite part of the movie i would agree with um, that. but yeah man and i almost I, I don't know if you guys could tell but like i was wiping away tears <laughs> heavy <laughs> while you guys were watching I, I will say too i was a bit surprised that this was a stephen king adaptation because i think listeners of this show will know that i did the same thing with the green mile where i just held off and held off and mm-hmm. held off on that film and then finally watched it for a tom hanks bracket and when i watched that directed by darabon you guys already talked about it a bit set in prison um I was like, okay, this makes sense because there's that that hint of the fantastical yeah. behind it. Whereas this movie was just very, I mean, this adaptation of the novella, mm-hmm. very straightforward, nothing. There's no aha moment aside from the twist, really. But like that could come from any author. Mm-hmm. So I, I did feel kind of weird watching this, knowing that it was a Stephen King story. In 1982, also, I mean, like this yeah. is kind of when he's in his prime. Want something crazy? Tell me. Never seen The Green Mile. Oh, that's a good one. Well, they didn't know it was Stephen King. Yeah. 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 Um, Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what? So you just bullshitted us on the Tom Hanks bracket? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's the same. It's the same with Shawshank. I know the whole story. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know everything that happens. Uh, you know, I've seen I've when it's been on TV, I've seen probably every scene of the movie, mm. just never in order. I've sat ne- down. I've for never front to I've back. never seen it front to back. Gotcha. Because it is a commitment. I can't, it, yeah. I can't believe that you and Chris watched him back to back. Oh, my God. For your first time. It's a too. long, yeah. yeah. It's a long day. Um, okay, well, to end our long day, Grant selected, so funny, like the most Grant-ish yet totally like <laughs> non-Grant type movie that I could think imaginable. Um, one that much like my selection, certainly way less more than the Shawshank for both of our picks, I think. Um, but but that is lesser known and, and also available to stream right now. It's on the IMDb TV app. So if you want to check this film out that we're about to talk about, go go um, watch it there. But Grant, why don't you introduce the third and final film of our movie swap? Yeah, this I was kind of glad that I went last because this is, very, compared to those two movies, very much a cool down movie. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun watch. And now like I'm really excited to hear what you guys think because this movie was made in uh, 2009. And there's a bunch of movies that have come out recently that I think you can compare this movie to. So this is going to be a fun conversation. But I showed these guys the 2009 Patton Oswalt uh, film, Big Fan. And this is a movie about the world's biggest New York Giants fan. And he's he's in his 30s and he lives at home with his mom in Staten Island. And he stays up till 1 p.m. to call into radio shows to talk about the Giants. And it's just all about this guy who's just the biggest fan. And one night he's out with his best friend and they see the star player, Quantrell Bishop, best linebacker that the Giants have ever seen. And they are starstruck and they follow him and they try to meet him. And in the course of that, Quantrell Bishop proceeds to beat the living shit out of Patton Oswalt and puts him in the hospital within an inch of his life. And so it's this movie all about 
him having to decide if he presses charges, if he sues his hero and star player, or does he, you know, take one for his team? Um, and it's a it's it's a crazy crazy film that then takes a wild turn. But I want to before we I, before I dive into it, I want to hear what you guys think. So, what do you guys think of Big Fit? I think that this is the kind of movie that I I loved it. Um, and I think that this is the kind of movie that I like love to think about once I'm done watching it, where it's just like a movie that really makes you think like, what would I do? And this isn't mm-hmm. like Freddy's or Jason or chasing you into a house. Mm-hmm. Would I run upstairs or would I go down? You know, something like that. this is like, what would I do? Would I be a martyr? Like for me, I'm thinking like, and it was funny. I was talking to Haley about this mm-hmm. movie as well. And I was like, this would be like if Juju Smith Schuster yeah. beat me up. Would I become a martyr for the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers fan club and or fan base and be like, Juju suspended because he beat up this guy or whatever, and I'm, I'm pressing charges and all this stuff. Or would I be like, no, it's okay, like it's no big deal. I was out of line or whatever because not to spoil too much, but like that's kind of the route as oh, the absolutely. biggest fan that Patton Oswalt takes is that you know his brother's this lawyer that wants to press charges, and he's just like, no, 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 what case? What are you talking about? Like it's fine, it's fine, and everyone's just like, it's not fine, yeah. dude. Like look at yourself, and you're kind of a, a bum. Like this is your the chance to be your big break. Um, so really poses a lot of questions and you, you really have to put yourself in his shoes. And so I just love when movies do that. Patton Oswalt can act. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. He is so, so good in this movie. He is fantastic. I was blown away by his performance because, you know, he's always just kind of been like that squatty, neurotic nerd, you know, type yeah. in, in everything he's in. And he does do that to to an extent in this movie, but, but as like, like the leading man. But as a leading man, and he's got some. He's also got some really great like emotional uh, pinpoints in this movie. And oh I, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I thought it, I thought it was darkly funny. Yeah, and dark humor is my favorite humor. Um, and yeah, I, I I would love I would love to show that. Like, I wonder if. Our friend Morgan has ever seen this movie. I would love for Morgan I would to love see this for movie. Morgan to watch this yeah. movie. Um, being a huge football fan himself. Uh, well, that's and that's the thing I like about this movie is like I'm not a big football fan. Yeah, and I and I love this movie. And yeah. like, you don't need to know football. You don't need to know like it's a fictional character, so it's not like you need to know the Giants of 2009. No, this <laughs> this story would translate into any professional sport. Yeah, where yeah. I think you made the comparison of you're like, this would be like if Ken Griffey Jr. fucking yeah. wrecked me at 13 years old. Yeah. yeah. I would defend that man till my death. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got hit by a tree. I don't know what happened. Um, But yeah, I, I think that, and, and now to kind of go back to, to what you kind of alluded to there in the beginning, I, I saw I started calling the Patton Oswald character Travis Bickle. I'm like, you yep. are freaking De Niro and Taxi Driver. He has this face paint on at the end, and he looks like Joaquin and the Joker. Joker. And obviously, this. the Joker and Taxi Driver are like copycats of each other, mirror images. This is this is the Trinity. Big, big, <laughs> big fan, Taxi Driver, Joker. Right? That um, the the scene at the end where okay, this is like major spoilers now. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene at the end where he goes to the Eagles bar and he, you know, has got the white and green face paint on those With shots. Very you, bad intentions. Yeah, yeah. That that side shot where you only see the white paint. We're rewatching this with you guys. I was like, holy shit. This is Joker. Yeah. yeah. And then and then like the shot with the gun and then in the back and like as it's clicking in, like I was squirming in my seat because like I'm putting together all these guys. I'm like, this is Todd Phillips just watched Big Fan. And then <laughs> and then was just like, all right, we're gonna just throw in uh, you know, society and see what happens here. <laughs> um, but that that scene of him when they're chanting giants suck 
and how he can't like contain he yeah. like you just see how like emotional he's getting and that's when it's see when you said Pat Oswald can act that's the scene that comes in, into my he's head. such a good man baby in this that and, <laughs> and then the scene with his mother too where he finally like kind of unloads on yeah. her as well like there are some very very heavy moments in this film um moments that like I when we made the joke while we were watching like you guys are squirming watching the dude and I'm just so desensitized to like violence and stuff like that gory especially in a movie that I've already seen but like I can watch that dude pick that shard of glass out of his foot like a thousand times (laughs) I could not watch Patton Oswalt go at his mother without like physically recoiling and being like this is so cringe because it's so uncomfortable not yeah cringe isn't the right word so uncomfortable because it feels so real secondhand embarrassment is real in this movie big time yeah big time um but and then also to the other the other kind of comparisons that we were making especially during that first like 35 minutes really that window where they're following Quantrell around Staten Island he goes to a trap house at one point and and all of a sudden Max and I we kind of turned to each other and we were like is this an A24 film? Like, yeah. <laughs> it feels like good time or uncut gems right. for, for a portion of it as well. As as I was like deciding on this movie, I was like, especially after our A24 episode, mm-hmm. like this is the most A24, non-A24 movie. It really fits that category. Definitely. Uh, no, I think that this movie, it might take, I'm sure it, that it already does have a bit of a following. Every film has a, a, a bit of a following, but I think that it only it's only going to be a matter of time before this either it gets off of IMDb TV and it goes onto Netflix or it goes onto one of these bigger streamers and gets a real cult following. I, I really want Patton Oswalt to do an Oscar push and get a role that really lets him like show showcase his acting range mm-hmm. because yes, he does kind of get typecast. But he he can do a lot of things, and I think that this movie shows a lot. There is a lot of Patton Oswalt in this movie; like he is kind of him himself. Um, but I think when that eventually happens, hopefully that then this movie will kind of come more into the light because it's one that's been kind of swept under the rug. And even more impressive, Robert Siegel's the writer director, yeah. right? Um, I, this would make sense if it was like a Patton Oswalt like penned script Mm -hmm. and he wanted to tell this story about himself. And so like, you know, he of course fits the role really well, but I can imagine that like, unless this role was written specifically for Patton Oswalt, he had to beat out other people for this. Oh yeah. And and the fact that he did that and, and carries this movie so well, just super impressive for somebody that you really only think of as a stand up comedian or a guy who's like got the fifth lead as a bit part in some sitcom. Well, and that's one of my favorite parts about the movie and how similar it is with Taxi Driver and Joker is there isn't a scene that he's not on camera. Basically, he he is. He is. You're following him the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot for an actor. And he's got such a unique look like (laughs) the things he does with his face in this film. Yeah. Like he's he looks like a sad dog. For most of the time, or like a boy, they keep cutting away, I think, to this like bulldog that's in his mom's house. But he looks, there's moments where he looks like a little bulldog. Yeah. It's so insane. It, it's a great, great performance. It's funny that you're saying that as there's a bulldog right by <laughs> Patton. Yeah. Okay. You know what? That, that bulldog's never had a name. There Patton. it is. It's Patton. Now. There it is. Um, okay. But yeah. So. Big, big fans of big fans. Yes. Definitely go out and watch that movie. Whether you like football or not, I think it's just a very good story and and something that makes you think. And the the nice thing is, is as cringy as it is, as uncomfortable as you get, the way it ends, you got a smile on your face and you're you're, you're laughing a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and and you know we're being we're being honest with each other right now too. We're not oh, I, you know I don't think that we would BS and be like we like this movie just because one of our you know one of us showed it to each other. I would really recommend. Obviously, duh, you're gonna recommend the Shawshank and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But but it's a movie that actually does live up to the hype, which is very very hard to do. Maybe not as like the best movie of all time, but it's one of the best movies of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that lives up to the hype. Revenge, if you if you know what you're going into and you're into that kind of thing, I think you're going to just be blown away. It's going to become one of your your favorites of the 2010s and the more recent memory. And then big fan, just wait for the cult movement and like yeah. be on the train when it comes rolling into the station because it's going to happen sooner or later. It's a really good film. Uh, so that does it for our show. Just another shout out to the power of movies real quick based off of everything that we've said, basically. Um, our first trip down movie swap lane, we highly recommended to our listeners. And I think we'd echo that sentiment again right now. Just get your friends together, make a list of movies, figure out what you haven't seen, get some food, get some drinks, have a day. Have a day. Yeah. And then talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and talked then talk about, about yeah, it. Yeah. Talk about what you like, what you movies. didn't like. Um, now, I know over the span of this episode, we've just kind of belabored the point of how thankful we are for all the support that we've received this first year. But we do sincerely appreciate each and every download, every single like, every single follow that we get on Instagram, every single little interaction down to the most minute detail. I mean, we're, we're still a small podcast that notices every little thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's truly mind blowing. It really is. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it really makes us feel good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts on year one of ETI Max? Uh, you know, I, I think I, w- I was thinking about highlights uh, of mm. the year. I really, really loved, I, I love all the guests we've been able to bring on. Mm, big shout out to the guests. Um, yes. uh, you know, especially the, the road trip series that we did, uh, where we're meeting people on the other side of the country, you know, uh, Olivia and, 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 uh, Ke- uh, Kalina. 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 Yeah. 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 And, 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 and other creatives. Michael, of course, you know, is in the band. Glomstad is a great YouTuber. Um, but so shout out to all them. Shout out to Heath, who's come on a, a couple of times uh, and is our superhero correspondent. Uh, always does a really, really good job and is very prepared when he comes on. Maddie, who came on the um, the musical episode. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some other Drew names. and Steph. Drew and Steph. Yes, Derek. Uh, shout out to Derek. Big for, shout out to oh, Derek. Yeah. Helping us with sound uh, throughout this whole year. Uh, he, I hope he's in, enjoying his vacation right now. Um, but yeah, man, it's just been fantastic. And uh, honestly, a dream come true. Yeah. Um, and we're just getting started. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fall is a great time for movies. It's kind of when we started this whole thing last year. Speaking of Olivia, she'll be moving to the 253 pretty soon. Um, and so hopefully we'll be able to get her into the studio for a couple of guest appearances coming up. That'll be really cool. Um, so to kick off the next year of excuse the intermission, the three of us next week will be reviewing the much anticipated film Candyman, which hits theaters tomorrow. That should be a very fun episode and set the stage nicely for a great run of new horror films coming out this month. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got demonic, malignant, bunch of really cool stuff. Been, been waiting for Candyman for a while. This is one mm-hmm. that I'm glad that they pushed back. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since we've had a monkey paw production too. That's Jordan Peele's yeah. company. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk about this next week, but real quickly, what's your feelings on the original Candyman? Well, I think if going back to our, um, when we did the horse series and stuff, I don't think it made the hall of fame mm-hmm. for, for its decade there yeah, in the nineties. It, it was an honorable mention, honorable mention though, for sure. For a few of us. Um, I know that the grand is actually going to have that as their second film for weird elephant in the month of September to kind of build off the hype of it. 
I've never really been a huge fan. Um, and, and I think that it's just, I think that it was one of those movies that was billed as being real scary, real realistic. Mm-hmm. And it, it certainly is that, but it's just a movie that never really bothered me. The bees never bothered me. I'm more scared of the South side of Chicago and the projects than I am of some boogeyman in the mirror. Yeah. 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 I think it was just one of those that did a lot of tropes that had already been done. There wasn't really anything you that unique about it. It's not Keith David, but the guy that plays Candyman Candy in mm-hmm. the original I like him a lot. He was kind of like an 80s type cast actor, and he's just got one of those deep voices that is pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. I hate that I can't remember his name right now. But I remember that was the thing I liked about it. Is it kind of jumped his career a little bit. And, he, and he's still doing work. Mm-hmm. He's He's got a bit part in the new one. They Does bring he? Him back Perfect. Something. Love it. And I, lo- oh, I, love what, I love when reboots do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the Leo meme. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you are headed out to see something this weekend, especially at our friends over at the Grand Cinema or the Blue Mouse Theater, remember to please be safe, wear a mask once again, and practice social distancing. And until next time, we will see you at the movies. Stay swell and thank you for year one. Drink movies and watch beer.